All right, we're back. Episode 20 of the Big Hunt Guys podcast. We're going to do a little recap here on some scouting trip we just got back from. Fourth of July was here. I got Trail. I got Neville. We all went scouting. We all went different states, different species. Well, you two did the same species, but do a little scout. The superior species. I found. Elk. Yeah. Yeah. Two, Two out of three people think so. Yeah. yeah too, okay. 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 I get the I get thrown under the bus already. But yeah, we're gonna talk about our scouting thing, and right now it's the best time of year to start diving into research for your hunt coming up. And so we actually have a little promo code going on right now. Guys, listen to the podcast. Use promo code podcast when you sign up for Insider. We'll give you fifty points for the Go Hunt Gear Shop. Fifty points. One point equals one dollar. So that's fifty dollars you can then turn around and spend. So if you need to do some last minute research on you have a giant you know state maybe colorado you need to narrow down your elk unit start diving in there yeah maybe you out. don't have a tag at all yet you know exactly start to pick up to go to colorado or you right have all those leftover lists coming up you want to start researching leftover list dive in insider use the promo code podcast get 50 dollars back it can mm-hmm. be great beneficial for you and then also if you just want a maps only membership explorer you're going to get use promo code podcast you'll get 20 points towards the going gear shop as well so Two different ways to save big, and like I said, it's the perfect time now to start diving in. Like we've yeah. all talking about e-scouting mm-hmm. and all the effort we're doing, and how our e-scouting efforts, and we're getting this podcast about how you know where we did e-scouting, how it portrayed in our boots on the ground, and what we're going to mm-hmm. do differently now. Like both those tools complement each other very well. Obviously, Insider you get all access to all maps, so yeah. if you want that route, like plus you need navigation on the ground for e-scouting you need so navigation the go on app comes with both of those yeah i mean that explore 40 49 bucks yep. you get 20 bucks back to the gear shop so for 30 bucks you get all 50 states <laughs> not I mean, a bad thing don't be dumb use podcast <laughs> promo code okay yep. quit yeah. thinking about it just do it what's our kickback on that as a podcast we should get like a that's why we need you guys all to do that so we can figure out our kickback <laughs> <laughs> like those kickbacks yes so, yeah, cool. that's going to be a good one. Yeah, let's jump in and let's uh, kind of rehash what we did for the week, huh? America. Yeah. Fourth of July. No better time to go scouting. We all three decided to go boots on the ground scouting over Fourth of July. Yes, yeah. sir. Nothing more American than being on the mountain. Looking, so freaking American. Mm-hmm. And we're all three in different states. Trail, where were you? I was in Utah. Went looking for elk. Where were you, Neville? Oh. I was in Wyoming looking for elk. And I was the scapegoat here, who's just that little redhead stepchild in a state looking for mule deer. Where were you? What state were you in? California, maybe? I can't remember. <laughs> Have you ever applied in California? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, that'd be funny if you had. Mm-hmm. So you were in an unnamed state. It was an unnamed state. Take you a while to get there? Drive time? It did take me a while to get there in trail. I'll mm-hmm. let you know that one. They have a lot of potatoes there. Oh, <laughs> the gem state. <laughs> Brady was eating potatoes all weekend long. That's all I brought. That's all you had, just huge Mashed. potatoes. Yeah. I was talking to a guy last night about our Alaska hunt, and he was asking, like, what food items to bring. And I was like, man, we brought quite a few mashed potatoes, and like that with some back straps is money. Yeah. Speaking of potatoes. I'm hungry. Is it lunchtime? Getting close. So how was your scouting trip? Uh, in terms of seeing deer, I didn't see a lot of deer. Mm. Fully honest. I saw a lot of deer tracks. saw a lot of old sign. And as most people know, I think we talked about it in my East scouting thing, when I do these summer scouting trips, my whole goal is not always just to find deer. I might be backwards from a lot of people because most of my seasons are always late October or into November. So, like, 
I don't need to see deer right now because they might not be in the, the exact same spot. A lot of times they are very close to there, but like I've never been to this unit, total new spot for me. So my whole goal going up there was one, learn all the road systems and how I can drive around, how to navigate it. Got up there, realized, shit, I forgot to bring an extra gas can. I forgot to bring, <laughs> I forgot to bring my chainsaw. I, I luckily had jumper cables and I ran into someone whose car or as a truck, but like was dead. And they're like, Hey, can you jump me? And I was like, Oh shit. And I was like, do I have all that stuff even with me? Yeah. Because it was like hunting season hours. Remember it scouting season normally. I remember it, but I've been in like a chaos lately that just totally forgot to bring all those essentials. So now it's like, I need to put that back in my Google doc that I have with all my gear lists. Cause I went through my gears before I went, checked everything off that packed it. Yes. You know, I have my glassing pad. I have my stove. I have my fuel canister, but I forgot to go through all my truck essentials. I had so, a very similar experience. So I was like, all, all of a sudden I was up would there. Would you run into trees, down trees in the road? I, that's yeah. Like, I mean, you can see the back of my hand there. It looks like I got in a, a fight with one, right? Yep. Scrubbed a bunch of skin off the back of my hand, but I had, I had a tree that was kind of down across the road that I wanted to go up and check out. And so I jumped out and just started breaking branches and, you know, pulling enough that I could get by. And, yeah, scrubbed a bunch of skin off the back of my hand. But Were we yeah. scouting the same spot trail? Because <laughs> this is literally like I drove up in the dark. Yeah. Parked my, I was like going up this road. I was like, gosh, this, this road I want to get over here. I could probably access here and then just climb up this big ridge and then work this big system. As I started driving, I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go that further spot because mm-hmm. that way I don't want to like backtrack later. And I was like, it's steeper going the other way. But be, so I started driving down that road, got halfway there. Giant ass tree down on the road, just huge. And I'm like, this sucks. Like I, I could have looped around and like drove all the way back out and found a new way probably to get back in there. But I'm like, I'm just going to park my truck here. And that's when I realized I don't have any of the shit I need because it's all in my house. No chainsaw. Yep. So then you just said to start hiking from there. For hiking from there because of the tree down. Oh, that makes you mad. Doesn't Made it? me so mad. <laughs> How big a tree? Oh, I'm talking like my would arms. You, would you have a saw big enough to cut through that thing? Uh, I could probably chop it off enough. Like, well, maybe I'm over-exaggerating. It was probably like that. Yeah. Everybody should have a steel, steel farm boss. That's yep. what you need. Y'all. That's my best Christmas gift my dad ever gave me. When I was living in Montana, when I had to cut wood for in the winter, gave me a saw for Christmas. And I was like, that's, that's American. <laughs> that's American. But I forgot that on 4th of July. So There is nothing better than a, a sharp chain. But then, the, but then the cool thing was, though, so I was up there. I spent two nights in this spot. And this is why sometimes, too, it's always good to put boots on the ground because – I thought I had a great spot picked out. I got these glassing knobs marked. I've never been in there trying to analyze the terrain, but everyone knows how hard it is to see if there's rocks or trees or whatever. And so it was like slightly burned spot. Get there. Every single one of my glassing spots is completely choked in. Mm. Couldn't see anything. Couldn't see anything from any of those glassing spots. I tried dropping elevation. I tried going a little bit higher. Trees everywhere. I could get these like small pockets, but like I could have probably hunted that. But like for scouting, I want to see tons of country. Just couldn't to see, see where, couldn't see anything. Needed a chainsaw. Needed a chainsaw. <laughs> Hike it in. Hike it in. Hike that in, clear out your little spot so you can see some country. Yep. I've actually thought about that before. How great would that be? Sometimes those glassing knobs, like, gosh, if that tree was gone. Yeah. Because like, you want to sit here, you can only see that way. You sit over this way, you can maybe always only see the east. It's like, if I could just nail that one tree off. I'd be taking it to the next level. It would be. Yeah, I guarantee you there's people who have done it. Should I go up there and start, like, making a big shooting bench, too? Like, yeah. big flat area, yeah. cut it all out. Oh, I like this Maybe idea. bury a Yeti cooler in the ground so I can have cold cold drinks and keep all my food, like, I mean, bear safe. Sounds like you'd hunt hard. 
be in the same spot, same glassing spot all day long. Just rifle on the ground ready to go. Yes. Yeah, that was something I learned too. So I, I, I had a very similar experience. It's interesting. Yeah, big down trees and a couple spots that I wanted to get to. And the real bummer was for me is I checked out a spot in the morning, the first morning I was up there and was able to get to it and hiked out and glassed. And then uh, this other spot that I wanted to check out was quite a ways away. So I drove and, you know, mid-afternoon, just kind of when I wanted to be out getting to where I wanted to be to glass for the evenings, big down tree. So at that point, you're trying to, you know, figure out backup. So that was kind of a bummer. But where, if I'd had a chainsaw, that would have helped a bunch. Dang it. Were you backpacking in or were you just driving around, going to spots, driving around, going to different spots? Uh, mostly driving. I was like Brady. I think that's kind of the, the first step for me is to drive a lot of the roads. I mean, I mm-hmm. had some spots picked out on a map, drop pins and just knobs and areas that I thought looked good. And then um, mostly a lot of just driving, though. Just mm-hmm. just wanting to look at the country, wanting to know where all the roads are. Mm-hmm. A lot of I want to know, like, where people are at. I mean, yeah. I know. It's hard to judge on Fourth of July weekend. Well, I mean, the people everywhere. Yeah. Which, right. I mean, I, I thought there would be. But I think... I don't think it's so dissimilar in that, like, you know, a holiday weekend isn't that much different than, like, opening day of a hunt, right? Yeah. You, you figure people are going to camp the same types of spots. You know, they're going to drag trailers right. and RVs and, mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. Yeah, and that, that was, like, one thing I noticed. I got to a road that was actually washed out from flood, so it was closed. And you could still get across it, but you probably need, like, a four-wheeler or something. And, like, in my head, I know that area is going to be a little more difficult to access. And, like, oh, that's a good thing. probably, like a horse trailer might not be getting back there. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to have to have a four-wheeler. So I kind of had a better idea going in from, like, being boots on the ground. Like, that area to get back in there is probably going to be harder for people to access, which then hopefully means less people there. Yeah. And plus, I didn't even know it was closed until hmm. I got there. Right. And it so was flooded hard. out. So did you trail? Remember what I told you that I do a lot on our last, like, e-scouting and – there's a little bit of tips and tactics when you're in the field of, like, taking photos when you're out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you do any of those? Did I take photos? I took some photos. So, like – Did you make a lot of waypoints? I did. I made a ton of waypoints. Oh, my God. Okay. So, like, my strategy this weekend, like, we, we both said we were driving a lot of roads looking around. Mm-hmm. So, I'd come to these roads, and I would see these big mountains way off in the distance, and I would either take a picture on my cell phone, drop that as a waypoint on Go Hunt Maps, or I would also take a photo with my big camera. That way I can, like, zoom in and have higher detail later to, like, now I know what the train looks like in person. Now I can take that reference and look at it on Go Hunt Maps in 3D again and see what I might have missed about the terrain looking at it before. Mm-hmm. And I have a little better idea of, you know, some other game plans. I know for me it's interesting. So I think there's a lot of people that are probably pretty good at e-scouting. And it seems like e-scouting and a lot of people are talking about it. And I know I've done some other podcasts recently and that's been, you know, kind of a topic of discussion. People want to know what you're doing for e-scouting. I don't do a ton, but I've noticed that, like, on the back end of a scouting trip like this weekend, I'm spending way more time, so a ton of time. I mean, I sat down when I got back for probably two hours the one evening and just, you know, had all my screens open, and I'm just I'm combing the areas that either I saw elk in or, you know, areas that I thought looked good. And at that point, like, I'm really picking the landscape apart, and I'm mm-hmm. dropping tons of points now. Yeah, because now you have a better idea yeah. of what you've seen. And like you said, like, that's why I think it's more important right when you get back from a scouting trip to, like, you to dive back in and start looking at things again, like, right away while it's fresh. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's very important, too, to keep dropping all those photos you take as a waypoint because I look back, and if I didn't do that, like, I had 25 different photos I took on my cell phone that, like, now I don't know the reference of exactly where I took that photo. But since I referenced it on Go on Maps, I can just use the app, and I always label those as a photo icon. 
mm-hmm. just be able to tell where I was at. But yeah, I got to do. I'm not very good at taking pictures <laughs> with my phone and like putting it on a waypoint. Well, you have that sweet filter on your phone that has that cracked screen yeah, every single yeah, time, so that makes that makes it so that you don't want it tricky. Makes, makes it a little tricky. tricky. But there were a couple of times where like I saw a hillside, and like there's like specific ve- vegetation I was looking for, and then mm-hmm. I went back and like looked at my map and like all right, you have a better idea of what exactly that looks like on yep. an e-scouting platform. I'm looking for sage and grass <laughs> on the backside of a north-facing slope. Nice. Did you see any elk? No elk. No. I saw a ton of deer. Yeah, I did too. I a ton of deer. Too. And that's what's crazy. I saw a absolute metric shit ton of elk. <laughs> <laughs> you saw a lot of elk. I did see a ton of elk. At oh, yeah. one point, I haven't told you this. I told Neville earlier, but I was sitting down glassing. And this is that first spot that like that tree was in the road when I was up on, hiked up on top, sitting there glassing one night, and I'm in all this like cyanosis, that little like brush stuff. Mm-hmm. Sitting in a bunch of that, all of a sudden I heard a bunch of branches breaking. I'm like, oh shit, it's gonna be a bear. Like, guaranteed it's probably like it looks like a really berry spot. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I should probably see if it's a bear. So I like creep up a little bit and look, and all of a sudden I see, oh, it's just a cow elk. Cow looks like 40 yards away. So I kind of sit back down, just chilling. All of a sudden I hear walking around a little bit. I look to my left, two bulls, two six points. Hmm. So it's some growing left to do, but like they look yeah. like they'd be, you know, decent bulls for a general season hunt like that. And it was super cool to sit there and watch these bulls. These bulls end up coming 30 yards away from me. Like, no joke, 30 yards for 40 minutes. The wind was perfect. And like a big mule deer, they ain't ever going to do that. <laughs> but those big old big old mountain carp, they just sat there and were feeding. But I, I started watching them because so I pulled up. I had my uh, my SIG, uh, six hour um, image stabilization bino, 16 power. Mm-hmm. So I pulled those up and I was looking at those elk at 16 power that close. Just like watching their ears, watching how they were like were feeding, picking up their heads, looking around. And I just kept thinking like, I feel so bad for elk right now because their back of their ears are just loaded with flies. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. covered in flies. And every, time, wolf. and every time they would flick their ears, I'm like, buddy, you got to flick your ear a lot harder because those <laughs> flies are not leaving your head at all. They're just <laughs> pestering you the whole time. Yeah, I had a lot of flies and a lot of mosquitoes. Yeah, there were tons of mosquitoes. Yeah. Was, was it really green where you guys were at? So green. The mountains never, are so green yeah, this year. I've never seen it so green. Never. Yeah. The grass is so tall. Yeah, I don't know. South-facing I mean, slopes, everything is yeah. just green. Yeah, the area I was hunting or scouting, I guess, I mean, they've been getting rain, you know, like for the past couple of weeks. Um, pretty pretty good rain, and I think they had a decent winter. I mean, there was actually – that was another thing. I had a couple of roads that I had planned on, um, you know, taking me to another area, mm-hmm. and – the first night I'd planned on going to another area and about midnight is when I, you know, hit this spot and it was completely snowed over. Really? Yeah. Still snow. Jeez. Yeah. Still snow on the road. And so couldn't get past there. So backtracked and just kind of went to plan B. And then, uh, the second day also w- wanted to explore a spot and it was covered in snow still. So it still probably got another, I would say two to three weeks before I can get get through on that wow you yeah. guys get have a lot of mosquitoes oh my gosh Tons. there were so many mosquitoes. so bad i have i have one of those thermocells mm-hmm. must have yeah those, those are things are so nice i was regretting that i forgot my head net oh <laughs> really it would have been great to have the head net at some point yeah i took it to like a, a regular tent so i took uh, a little hillebergine on and slept in that and was really glad that i had I, I, did, I did the old floorless i did my uh yeah. Little little bug out, and I had so many mosquitoes in there at night. And I was like trying to <laughs> zip the doors all the way down on each side, trying to like, oh yeah, they can't come through the grass on the bottom. Trying to like eliminate them. It's kind of ironic, all. isn't it? The little bug out is full of bugs. Full <laughs> of bugs. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. Brady's <laughs> living a bug's life. <laughs> yep. No ticks though. 
Yeah. Didn't have a single tick on me. Yeah, I didn't, didn't have any ticks either, but tons of tons of bugs. It's all part of summer scouting, right? It's, yeah. it's so green. I mean, tons of wildflowers. It was really pretty. It was a fun, fun weekend to be up on the hill for mm-hmm. sure. No, gri- no grizzly bears, Brady? Nope, didn't run into any grizzlies. Didn't see any real black bear sign either. So I was pretty confident that. I was glad that uh, I gave you the pistol. That's right. I wanted Neville to be safe because he was going into. I had Brady's. I had Brady's pistol with no holster. <laughs> I could just carry it around your hand. Hey, which way should I go? You going down this trail? And like normally, my holster is always with my pistol, and I went home to grab it, and it's usually like right next to my nightstand, and I couldn't find my holster. And then I, after I got back, right away when I was at home, I was like, "Oh wow, there's my holster it was sitting on top of my dresser next to my TV." So Neville uh, Lily had to hold it in his hand, I guess. I had bear spray too. Okay. I'm more of a bear spray guy, actually. Yeah. So you spent the weekend up there scouting Neville. Yeah. I was, um, I was just driving the whole time. Driving, yeah. mostly? Yeah, just going to spots where, like, I wanted to start hiking, seeing if I could get there, if I needed a four-wheeler. Yeah. Did you guys check out trailheads at all? Mm-hmm. Just to see, like, what's available. Yeah. Because s- usually at a trailhead, too, like, you will you can notice if someone has horses there. Like, if they have a wall tent at a trailhead. Like, it's going to be a huge spot. Maybe they'll have some corrals. Because mm-hmm. I spot. ran into a couple of those, like, all right, it was a horse spot. Yeah, this is definitely a wall tent set up. There's corrals. Like, some this is an established mm-hmm. outfitter of some sort. Mm-hmm. One, one thing I really like doing because when I was up there, so I hiked. I went in two separate spots where I actually backpack in for several days. And the one spot I really like, my second spot, um, I was kind of concerned at first. Like, man, I'm going up here for one full day, and I like. It was Monday at this point, and I was like, this is going to be a long-ass hike just for one evening of scouting and one morning. But it's like, I just have to do it since I'm here. Mm-hmm. So it was way deep getting in there. The whole time I was getting in there, I was getting up on these little ridge tops, and I was like, if I was a person, I would probably camp here. You know, this is a good spot to camp. And so what I was trying to do, like you just said, like looking around, seeing what was available or like what was there. Like I didn't see a single little fire ring. Like all these spots I thought were great to camp. And it was like one spot I could tell someone had probably camped there before because of a couple cut trees and stuff like that. But I was looking for also, like, those, like, uh, game bag meat hanging poles. Like, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people, like, set the stupid pole up on the tree right. to hang their yeah. meat. I didn't see any of that in some of these spots. I'm like, okay. I didn't see any sign of old horse traffic. There was no old horse gap from the year before or anything. So I'm like, there's probably not a guy taking horses up here. So that's a really good benefit for me coming in the fall. Like, obviously, that could change. Mm-hmm. But, like, I was trying to note, like, all these different things I was seeing every time I would go up. And, like, all right, this is a great spot to glass. Has anyone ever been here before? Because if there is, then I probably could assume that's a hunter because there's no reason someone else should be hiking up there, especially a lot of these spots that are, like, off trail. But just also taking note of that and just marking that stuff down. Does it discourage you that you didn't see many deer? No, like I said, like, I don't really ever put a lot of emphasis on seeing deer right now. I just kind of want fi- to figure out the terrain. That's why, I like, that one spot I was just mentioning, I went super high, super deep in there, went to a really high knob that – I knew that it's not going to be a great spot to actually hunt. Like, there's no way I could kill a deer from that exact glassing point. I have to move around if I wanted to kill a deer. But I wanted to get up on that high spot and overlook a shit ton of terrain. Mm-hmm. Like, I was glassing stuff that was, like, four or five miles away. And since I was up so high, that's why I was taking pictures again. I was like, that back basin that I looked at earlier, East Scouting, it actually does look really, really good. Like, I probably could move over there. And then once I'm there, there's a lot more areas close by I could, like, check out. So I was just mentally taking note of all the terrain features that were really far away. To actually, once at my hunt, I'm going to go in deeper mm-hmm. and then get there. Because I didn't want to 
fully kill myself right now unless I have a tag and rifle in my hand. But is that because your hunts are later in the my year? My hunts are later in the year, yeah. So, so I don't. You're not too worried about. Not too worried. If I had a like, you know a September hunt or archer hunt, I would definitely want to be seeing deer right now, and I'd be a little discouraged I didn't see deer because then I'd be going more blind. But I think I like, you know, I'll be able to find deer later on, and I know now like I saw deer tracks, I saw a bunch of old deer rubs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there's deer in the area. And it was hot out too. Like I don't put a lot of emphasis on. Like yeah, summer bucks will be up moving around, but I didn't need yeah. to see them. Biggest buck I saw was probably one fifty inch deer, and of course he had like three inch eye guards. <laughs> Just, gotcha. He was at like a hundred yeah, yards. Like, nope, don't want him. Don't want him. Yeah, I gotta avoid those eye guards. You know. Mm-hmm. No, I'm kidding. I love eye guards. How about you, Trill? What were you seeing? I saw tons of cows and calves. I mean, hundreds, hundreds, and hundreds. Which, you know, it's. It's uh, it's kind of double-edged sword for the tag that I've got. I mean, it opens. It's an archery permit, so it opens August 20th, which is early, you know. And you know, if you're seeing a bunch of cows and calves, you know that when that hunt opens, that's probably not the spot you want to be in if you're hunting bulls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just because they're th- by then they're not going to be mixing, right? You give that another two weeks though, and mm-hmm. you know, three weeks, it it lets me know where I want to be. I mean, I was hoping to see more bulls. I did see, I think I saw nine or ten bulls on the last morning I was there, and I saw a couple pretty good bulls. Um, they were all in, you know, it's interesting, you know, you've brought it up before, Brady, um, you know, the, the importance of, like, looking at, uh, you know, the habitat that you're seeing bulls or animals in and then kind of extrapolating that across the landscape. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the bulls that I did see, I saw, I'm trying to think, I saw a group of four and a group of five then one single but they were all in very similar looking yep. areas similar vegetation similar slopes so mm-hmm. at that point you know I'm, I'm looking at the landscape differently um especially when i get back and i'm pulling up maps you know i'm looking at elevation bands and i'm looking for vegetation types i'm looking for slope and aspect and i'm thinking like okay you know these other areas right. could potentially have some bulls in it but so you were essentially fi- where, where you found bulls in that mm-hmm. elevation what the landscape looked like you were taking what that looked like and then put yeah. it in other places that look similar yeah yeah especially since i've been home i mean like i said when i got home i w- it's funny how invigorated you can get to e-scout it can be a little bit like at least for me anyway it's a little bit of a you know a grind at times to e-scout it's, it's, especially if you've never looked at the landscape it can seem like a little futile oh yeah but um you know coming back and having seen some elk and you know seeing those areas that those bulls were in i've been kind of a fanatic since then like any spare time that i've got i've got my computer open and you know i'm e-scouting at this point so yeah it sparked an interest in me for sure and and remember what we were talking about before like this is just probably letting the cat out of the bag of some projects we're working on but remember we talked about that uh trying to get together with like a habitat biologist Mm -hmm. and start learning some vegetation and stuff like that did you know there's an app out there that you can take a photo, you can take a photo of some vegetation mm-hmm. and then put it in the app and it'll tell you exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. So I haven't downloaded that app yet, but I took a lot of photos of some vegetation when I was up there. Right. And I want to then learn, start actually learning more about what this vegetation is or I'm seeing deer feeding on during certain times of year. So I actually know in my head, like, okay, that is this forb or that is this grass and there's animals feeding on it. And then just... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just more dated in my head, but right. like, I'm like, right when I got back, I wrote down, like, I need to download that app. I have all these vegetation photos now. I need to start figuring out exactly what these are because I'm not very good at that stuff. And I want to learn more. Right. Cause again, it's that like, you always hear me talk about that biology thing. I just want to learn more about animals, what they're feeding under certain times of year. And like you said, you saw a bunch of elk doing something, doing something on some vegetation. Mm-hmm. Why were they there? What was that 
food source they were keying in on that time of year, will that food source still be there later on or will that food source be burnt off and they're going to be on something else? Mm-hmm. Some cool stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, right now there's a ton of grass up top. And so, you know, grass and forbs. So I'm sure they're they're putting on, you know, the most weight they possibly can. So they're, they're probably cruising those green grasses and forbs, right? Mm-hmm. And then as you move later into the fall, you know, that August, September time frame, a lot of those grasses are going to cure out. So it's going to be less nutrition uh, for those animals, and they'll probably kind of transition over to, you know, more forbs, more browse, you know. Yeah. Um, So, you know, some of those areas that are just, like, real grassy maybe won't be as applicable as, you know, they they become um, in the fall. Were you doing any, like, diving into the timber trying to find wallows? I know you're a big wallow sitter. Come on, wallow, man. (laughs) How many you found one? um yeah i did find one yes um you gonna sit it uh, maybe i mean i i also found some ta- some tanks you know oh, yeah. that were kind of tucked in um it was interesting i was going back and look at the aerial imagery since i've been home like comparing the wall that i found and then you know kind of some tanks and things and looking at those just to see what they look like and that's another thing that i would highly recommend to folks you know look at the timelines on different aerial imagery to see what that vegetation what the, the mm-hmm. water looks like as you move through the year um I found a ton of wallows and a ton of, you know, wet meadows since I've been back. I, I think I think that's probably one of the, you know, kind of the keys, at least for me, is, you know, you see a bull, you see a group of bulls, you see habitat. It looks like there should be bulls in based on what you saw on the ground. And I'm really picking apart the landscape with aerial imagery now at this point, and I'm finding water for sure. Right. Are you guys worried, like kind of how you're mentioning how some of the grass can die off? Like looking at a spot that looks really good vegetation right now, and then when when the hunt comes, being completely different. Because I know what it was like three years ago. I was up in the high country. I had a mule deer tag. I went and scouted. Everything just green, water oh, yeah. everywhere. There's still snow banks, so a lot of that grass is getting from like the snow banks. Mm-hmm. And then when I came there, first week of September, dry as a bone. Yeah, that was an interesting grass area. all dead, just burnt. Yeah. Like, it looks like you're hunting, like, desert stuff almost compared right. to, like, what it was earlier. Like, it's not green anymore at all. Yeah, and you didn't see a lot of deer then either, right? No. And there was, a, there was deer everywhere up there when yeah. we were scouting. Yeah, I think that's – you got to be aware of, like, the, ve- the, the transition of vegetation through the seasons and diet for the animals that you're hunting, you know. So you know that that May, June, July time frame when those upper alpine, especially for mule deer, if you're hunting al- alpine areas for mule deer, I mean – that vegetation is going to be green. There's going to be more nutritional value in it at that point. And as that starts to cure and move out, I mean, those animals aren't going to stick around. They're going to transition slightly into areas that have got more food. Mm-hmm. And it may not be that far. It may be just like into the edges of the timber, you know, where those areas have got some shade and, yeah. you know, maybe some. Like I some, talk all the time, that edge habitat. Mm-hmm, so yeah. Some resources. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something you want to be aware of right. as you're your summer scouting i don't i don't know that it's as applicable for elk maybe as it is for deer i think it seems to me at least in the yeah, deer hunting deer i've done more. you know it seems like they're that's more important to think about and process i i've had pretty good luck i mean if i can find an elk like right now if i find 10 bulls in july um i have pretty good confidence that those bulls are going to be relatively close come you know middle of august through maybe the first week of september and then those cow and calf groups become really important because they're going to start to pour in and and look for cows and calves how how far do you think they move elk from oh, from from those they august to first week of september and then once the rut starts kicking in 
Yeah, I mean, in my experience, they move. They move a lot. They can move a bunch. Um, I mean, I know I have a buddy that killed a bull on a unit there in in central Utah, and killed it with his bow. And I think it was a about the second week of September, maybe the first or second week of September. And I know another guy that uh, I talked to, and he was like, "Hey, you know how well how well do you know your buddy there?" And I was like, "Oh, real well. You know why?" And he's like, "Man, I've." I have trail cameras of that bull, that bull he killed on, you know, a different unit, which was probably 60 miles to the north. Wow. No way. Yeah. 60 miles? I bet it was 50. Jeez. Yeah, 50, 60. Um, you know, the north end of a completely different unit. Wow. Um, and he had pictures of that within, what, 8, 10 days of when he killed it on a different unit to the south. Hmm. So they, they can move, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know why they do what they do. You know, I don't know if it's what they did as a calf, you know, like with their mother and that's yeah. where they moved. But, um, I think generally, I mean, those cow calf herds are going to stick to where the feed is. And if there's still good feed, then the bulls will show up, you know, and I don't know where those bulls are coming from. I mean, they could come from who, who knows how far, I mean, I, kn- I know I had a tag in Utah. It's been what early two thousands, I guess. And, you know, I scouted 18 days in the summer and I saw this bull I wanted to kill, which was a, a big split, main beam he was a seven by six but he had these real cool well tail that split sideways on the one end i figured he was probably 380 ish but i saw that bull all 18 days that i scouted in the summer so you're thinking i'm thinking this game is a on. done deal like yeah. i've got you did it. all your homework yeah i'm like i have his address like i know right where he lives i know all of the pockets and scout hard hunt easy <laughs> <laughs> and uh i saw him opening day i saw i saw him at the evening i had him at you know 89 yards this is one of my biggest regrets. I had that bull at 89 yards, and then I had another bull that he was hanging around with that walked between me and him at 45 yards, totally broadside, <laughs> wide open, and he was probably like a 360 bull. Like oh. six, I'll bet he had 60-inch beams, short thirds, but just – and I, I passed because I was like, oh, here's a 380 bull that I've scouted all summer, right? Yeah. But um, that was the last time I ever saw that bull. So, really? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean – Any I, idea what happened? I think he just – decided that was the time he was going to go roam for cows and I, I mean I don't know where he went I couldn't I could never turn him up I mean I hunted all those same drainages and I started to expand my search you know out north and south and yeah. try to turn him up but I could never turn that bull up again so I think that's why it's hard I mean especially in a hunt in U- like Utah where you you know I I think one of your best opportunities to kill a big bull is to kill him early but you got to find them. You got to find right. them first, yeah. Yeah. So if you find them in the summer, and then I think you got about a two-week window there to kill that bull, and it's you know either going to be spot and stock or you know sit in water or wallow, and then after that, I mean, who knows? Do you, Do you think elk rut in the same spot? I think they do. Yeah, generally. Yeah, I think every those, year go y- back to the same general area to rut. Yeah, it's, it seems that way. Yeah, I think they they cruise and kind of roam you know roam back to where they end up rutting. It's just sometimes those bigger bulls, it's hard to find out where where they rut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I think some bulls are, you know, more secretive than others, you know. Same with bucks, you know. I think they find those little hidey holes and they gather up their harem of cows and just kind of cycle through them and push them, push them into a hole where nobody can find them. Did you guys run into other people while you are out scouting? No. Oh, woof, so many. <laughs> <laughs> Got go deep, to gotta go deeper. You didn't talk to anyone, Brady? Mm-hmm. I thought you said you were going to get better at that. I know. The whole time when I got, when I got back, I uh, – was thinking like you know we talked about this whole biologist thing and calling one i was like you know based on what i saw based on everything i've been in there now like maybe it might be beneficial to give an old biologist a call and be mm-hmm. like hey my name is frank smith 
I'm from Iowa. I mm -hmm. was out there doing a bunch of research, put boots on the ground. What if you can give me some intel? All right. Thought I, about I, that hard. I, I talked to a rancher about us asking about the stairs, like, oh, what's the pressure like? Is there a lot of hunters up there? And he was telling me about how in that area there's been a lot of, like, wolf die off from elk. So oh, okay. Now, now that might make – I mean, I don't I don't know how much, like, what they know or what to believe, but then that would make me think, like, maybe I should call, call a biologist, like, to Just confirm that. To confirm it, yeah, because maybe those wolves moved in and they pushed the elk herd a little bit, you know, further away, and you might be hunting a spot that literally this elk should – don't hang out there anymore. Right. Or maybe the rancher's just hoodwinking you. I know, right? That's what you always got to keep in mind. Like, I said this spot, and he's like, damn, that's my favorite spot to go. <laughs> yeah. Wolves have been slaughtering <laughs> that spot. Yeah. So many I wolves. know. That's why I always – you got to take a little bit, like, grain of salt. You, I mean, you hope – Fact you know, check. Yeah. That yeah. they're being nice to you. And But I, I had a guy once when I was hunting a couple of years ago. I was deep in the backcountry, and he was – him and his son were packing out a bull – on their horse and I was going back in for my second load of meat I had killed my buck and uh he saw like the area I was like turning into and he's like you're deer hunting up there and I was like yeah and he's like oh yeah man we never hunt up there there's so many wolves but to me deer hunting mm -hmm. is different because like yeah there's no elks all the elk guys aren't there and to me I didn't see a single person the whole time and there was shit tons of deer deer everywhere yeah. even though they said they're oh yeah there's a big wolf pack that hangs out in there so for me it's never a deterrent if there's wolves but for you like elk guys definitely they put more pressure on the elk right so i mean it's interesting i i did see tons of people you asked the question um it, it did make me that much more aware of what potential pressure could be like because i know it's a big unit with a lot of you know a lot of opportunity there's a lot of elk and it's probably the largest elk herd in the state right um it did make me that much more aware, like acutely aware of like what potential pressure might be like. And then it, it also, when I came back, I was thinking, okay, knowing that there are a lot of roads, knowing that there are a lot of people, but then also a lot of elk, um, it made me start looking at that landscape as where are the roadless areas? Where are the opportunities to create space between me and somebody else? Hmm. So in, in that regard, it's really good too, you know? Mm -hmm. I you got to be aware of all those things. There's like, we've talked about it before, but there's like all these factors you got to take into consideration, you know, where the animals are, where the pressure is. So, do you, th do you so you actually saw a lot of people. Do you think those people were actually scouting or looking for elk? No, I, I think most of them were just out on holiday weekend, lots of trailers, lots of camping. Um, I don't think there were that many people. I didn't see that many people that I would, you know, they weren't, there weren't headlights, I wouldn't say, you know, in, in the dark mm -hmm. <laughs> in the morning. And I wasn't seeing, you know, people out and about scouting. I think most people were just holiday camping. But, I mean, no, there, I know there will be a lot of pressure come opening day to hunt just because there's a lot of people. It's And Utah's funny. I mean, they have that over-the-counter spike archery elk tag that anybody can buy. It's unlimited. And, you know, where this is close to the Wasatch Front and there's a lot of elk, I expect there to be a lot of pressure. Hmm. But, you know, it was good. I mean, in that regard, <clears throat> it's really good because, like I said, it, it does cause me to come back and reevaluate and start looking for those areas where I c can create space, where I can create an advantage, you know, if I'm willing to hike and hunt hard. Mm -hmm. is, is there anything you guys, like, after your scouting trip, like, dang, I should have done this differently on the scouting trip? Mm -hmm. Like that you thought, like, hey, I didn't put enough effort into this or I should have done a little more work on the front end or any random regrets you guys have or was it pretty well what you expected? Um, what do you got, Trump? Yeah, <coughs> for me, um, 
Yeah, I'm like already making a list of things that like, you know, for future scouting trips and then also for the hunt. Uh, one of them was I knew the landscape was large. I knew it was like, you know, big, but I didn't fully realize like how big that country is. And so for me, I mean, I've always used 10 by 42s around my neck, but for scouting, uh, I'm going to I'm going to grab a pair of 15s next time I go back. And I think a pair of 15 by 56s will like let me yeah. reach out a little bit farther and see more country and, and really start to pick up more elk than I would have, which is my 10 by 42. So that was like one piece of equipment. And then, you know, I, I try not to like, here's the thing is like on a first scouting trip, I feel like it's more important to like cover country, you know, drive a lot, mm-hmm. you know, pick those overlooks that are like close to a road and spend some time morning and evenings there looking at those, you know, from those overlooks. So I didn't do like a ton of like, you know, hiking. And I think I'm going to save that for, you know, the future based on what I saw on my first scouting trip. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's some areas that I would have liked to explore that I didn't. I know one thing is like I always just wished I had more time. Yeah. I mean, I go out for four days or whatever, and you know, come back and I think, man, I wished I had four days every single weekend. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why I really was excited to go up because it was a long weekend. You know, Go Hunt did give us you know Tuesday off as well, mm-hmm. so I had four full days to do it. But I still was like, wish I had you know maybe one or two more days. Yeah. Are you gonna go back? I don't think so. You think that's it, one and done? And because of gas prices oh and just, just how far that was to drive, and it was solo. I mean, I cranked through so many freaking podcasts on the way up there, just jamming out. And it's like coming back home, I was like, "This is brutal." Yeah. But it was so, it was so worth it though. Like I definitely needed to do that scouting trip. Like I learned so much from going up there. Do you think you're gonna go into that spot, or are you gonna find a new spot? I have a spot already that, I, like Trail said, like right when he got back, I was looking, and there's that. I said I went up really high and was glassing around. I have a spot right now that I picked out that I I glassed it up. I know I could probably also glass from that area. Mm-hmm. I think there's already a spot down below where I can get some water. That's not too far away. I already have a general camp idea picked out, and it's like I can work a lot of that country from that same area. And then also can see some different slopes. I can see more some east-facing slopes. I can see some west-facing. I can see some of that north country where, where I was scouting this weekend. I was mainly glassing all into west-facing slopes. And sure, there can be deer anywhere, but it's like I want to be and want to open my doors up to glassing up more different terrain types. I don't want to just because everything I was glassing literally was west-facing on the scouting trip. And it was sure there's deer there, but like I said, I just want to have something else to. And I don't want to put all my eggs on just glassing one side of certain terrain. So I want more ridge lines I can go down, more little finger ridges. Right. And I think I have a really good idea now of what, what I'm looking at. Is it hard for you, Brady, like when you're scouting this early, to kind of keep perspective to, to like knowing that, you know, the hunt that you go on, an October rifle hunt, is going to be very different, you know, than what you just saw this weekend? Like, is it hard to keep perspective? Is it hard to stay motivated? I mean – yeah. I mean, my hunt opens August. That's like, you know, a month. I'm a month and, you know, a couple of weeks out. You so know? for you, it would be like it's been, may, probably really beneficial to go back up a couple more times. Oh, man. You have to. I was just thinking as you were talking, I mean, there's two two different frames of mind um, two dif- based on two different types of permits. I mean, you have a permit that you've got, which is more of a general season permit. You know, mm-hmm. it's a fall hunt. It's a rifle hunt. So for you, I think you, you probably got everything that you needed out of that scouting trip. You weren't necessarily looking for an animal. Yeah, because like you said, my seasons are late October. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of time in between there. Deer can do different things. Maybe there was some pressure from people backpacking around that I didn't see that maybe I didn't see some deer that are going to be there. And like, I'm hoping we get some snow. 
which mm-hmm. opened the door for a lot of game changing when I'm up there. Yeah, I think that's the difference. I mean, where you're those those early archery hunts, I think, especially for like a limited quota or limited, you know, entry permit like I've got, I'm not necessarily looking I am looking for areas, but more specifically I'm looking for an animal. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, when you have those I, early seasons, you need you want to yeah. lock down that. Like you said, your other bull story, like you saw that bull every single day. Like yeah. if you can do that right now and like put all your work ahead of the hunt and then you can tag out in that first two, three days, like that's going to be the most beneficial that's for you. That's the goal. I mean, I've always said that like, you know, if for bow hunters, <laughs> those early season bow hunts, I mean, all the hunting's done in the summer and then opening days for killing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's what I want to have happen. I mean, that's the goal is like I – yeah, I'm not necessarily looking for areas per se. I'm looking for an animal. And if I find that animal that, like, I'm really excited about, I'll just move in with him, you know, and yep. spend time with him right. until I can get a chance yeah. to kill him. Yeah. The hardest thing for me is with the the Wyoming general thing is you have so many different units. So oh, many, yeah. How do you nail that down? I was going to ask you. So, like, I had a little bit of this, too. So the unit I'm hunting is big. It's so much country. You can almost have, you know – paralysis what's oh, the yeah. what's the thing paralysis by analysis yep i mean do you feel that way with, oh yeah with because uh, there's like like you were saying this like there's spots i've gone to that i know that are elk i've hunted them during archer season in wyoming general tag and we've had good luck we're gonna have a film on that coming yeah, up yeah and there's i don't know there's i always have this feeling of like there's better spots <laughs> but 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 the <laughs> there, and there's like and i don't and just going there's so much area yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much to see, and there's so many different places you can go that are just as good, if not better, than this. Yeah, the grass is always greener on the other side. Right. So you're thinking it might be better, but like, are you leaving elk that right. you could kill I to know. find other for elk? Sure. I asked so for like sure. that's this the morning. thought process. And like, you've already had success. You've got I don't know, probably five or six areas that you know you've yeah. hunted and hunted well in the past. Like, what are you looking for? I know. What are you looking for? New adventure. New adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just. But, like, to me, for, for like, right now, scouting, doing this, like, I know those spots, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't need to scout them or go in there. Like, I've been in there, and I know where things are at. So, it's now, it's, like, looking at different areas and deciding if I think those might be better than the ones I already know. You're just adding, adding to your bank. Yeah. Adding to your library, right? And, right. and the nice part, too, I think, of your hunt, like, you scouted already. You did your one scouting trip. Are you going to go back up and scout again for that? No. Probably not. But then you're going to go on the archery hunt, right? You're going to spend five, seven days up there on the archery hunt. You're going to learn some stuff there. And then if you don't kill, I pray that you kill. Well, I you think can come I back might, for the I'm rifle. I'm probably going to do the, the rifle. Oh, you are? Because I got that New Mexico elk thing. Oh, yeah. So you're kind of scouting for a rifle hunt now. Yeah. Okay. I thought like you, yeah, could, so it's, it's you l- could gain all that intel archer hunting and then now you know that that area is good or not. And then you know what to move around to later on for a rifle. Right. But Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's a little bit different, but I mean, they're going to be in those same areas. Yeah. Like it's October. It's October first, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's not going to be too much moving unless they get a shit ton of snow. Do you ever do you ever feel frustrated like hunting in state like Wyoming? Like you think like, oh yeah, there's not a lot of trails in this area. It's going to be super remote, but like you don't know where all that horse traffic is coming from because those horses can go anywhere, right. and it's, you can't see them on a map. Do you ever like? wonder like hey is there there, like you ask that guy like about pressure and stuff like that like are you concerned there could be a bunch of horse camps up on top where you're planning on hunting i hate horses (laughs) unless you own them yourself there's one thing i've noticed if if trails go to the top if you have trails to go to the top you're gonna have horses at the top yeah like 
the more trail systems you have, the more horses you're going to have. So I'm looking for areas where you have trails in the bottom, but they don't go to the top of the mountain. Yeah, because you want some steep terrain. That's going to be a barrier of entry for a horse guy. Right. And you want maybe the water down the bottom where they yeah. can't get water at the top for the horses. So, like, I kind of have an idea. That, but, too, in Wyoming, there's trails for horses that Everywhere aren't that, even on Yeah, maps. that they just know. They've been using them for years and right. years. And I'd rather have trails for horses than trails for ATVs everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Is that what, that's in Utah. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> yeah. You better get a four wheeler. <laughs> get that side by side that costs twenty five grand more yeah, than your truck. I never seen an area. I've never seen areas like Central Utah where people just absolutely love to ride their ATV everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if there's not a trail there, they'll make one. It seems like there's trails all over the place. Yeah, mm -hmm. lots and lots of trails. Yeah, I, I think a, a lot of mine too. I'm I'm just looking for spots that have less people. Yeah. Because you know then you're But at the same animals. time, like, the spots that I've been into have a shit ton of people, but there's also a shit ton of elk. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's like you're weighing out all yeah. these different pros and cons and and what you think is going to be the best. Hmm. Yeah. You going to go back, Neville? You done? You figured out what you wanted to, or you make another trip? I don't know if I'll have time to make another trip is the thing. Mm-hmm. Got to make time. Are you Listen, the only other time is you have, like, that first week of September, like, in Labor Day, you go with your bow. Mm -hmm. have some time to go are you planning on uh scouting new mexico at all i want to yeah i mean that takes that's a long drive too yeah but it's i mean it's definitely a better tag than the wyoming general mm -hmm. and what i like about that is just one unit yeah yeah i should have to worry about one unit one unit to figure it's out it's kind of nice yeah it just, is all right here we go instead i'm looking across like the whole state of wyoming because you're gonna start this second spot, guessing this spot people say this spot's good this spot looks good yeah there's a, there's a good lesson in the things that you're saying right now. I mean, I talk to a lot of people that have the same issue that that you are. I mean, people will, will look at the state of, like, Colorado. I get this question all the time. Yeah, I want to do an over-the-counter elk hunt in Colorado, but where do I go? You know, yeah, there's all these all these different units, and I think people get bogged down in the endless options, right? Mm -hmm. And I've always told people just what you're saying right now. Pick a unit. Just pick a unit, you know, almost any unit in the state of Colorado has got more than enough elk that you can find success. There's definitely right. elk there and there's probably enough public land, but pick a unit that you like the bull to cow ratio. You know, you like the statistics, the harvest, I mean, or you like the, you know, the access, it kind of yields itself right. to your style of hunting. Pick that unit and then spend your time grinding that unit, right. you know, e-scouting it. Just pick it, make the decision and go with it. And, and I think you'd be, you know, you'd be more yeah. effective. And yeah. I, I mean, I know that's what you'll do is you'll pick, eventually you're going to pick a unit and then you're going to grind away at e-scouting. Yeah, it. for sure. And if you got the time, maybe run up and check it out again. Yeah. Unless somebody tells me like, oh, dude, I was in this unit Too many last wolves. year. And this, <laughs> there's bulls everywhere. Where at? <laughs> what unit was that? So, so here's a good question I thought of. So you, you have this tag again with your brother, right? Right. Is your brother going to help you out and go on a scouting trip for you? I told him, I said, dude, you better drive out there now. Yeah. Go check you, out You put this all unit. that effort. You wasted all that gas, all that time. Yeah. Time for him to. Uh, I know, right? Yeah. yeah step it Josh. up a little bit. Come on, Come Josh. On. If you're listening to this, way to go, dude. Get in your truck. Get in your truck and driving. drive. Here's one final little tidbit I would ask is how much um, I've been blown away about the, uh, the number of people that have been willing to like reach out and offer information or that I've sent, you know, questions to like, Hey, you know, I've already found this unit in the past. And I think, I think it varies obviously whether it's a general season or a limited quota permit, but man, I've been blown away. The hunting community is yeah, generous. 
yeah man so generous they've been really good it's super cool to see especially now with social media and everyone Mm -hmm. thinks like oh everything's being wrecked but like there's still a lot of really cool people out there yeah i mean there's been one guy in particular that's just been above and beyond i mean he's been so awesome just keeping me in the loop i mean he's anytime it rains over there he's sending me you know screenshots of a big black cloud over the mountain being like rain it again today and i'm like yes you know but he's, you know, he's been, he's been awesome, but it's been, uh, it's been super cool, you know, to, to have people reach out and, and I would, I mean, I guess my advice to people would be is, you know, return the favor when you can. Yeah. Cause you could develop a cool friendship from this. And like all of a sudden he drew something later on that you have some Intel on and he reaches out to you mm-hmm. and you guys start talking and maybe you decide, Hey, I'm going to meet you up there and hang out for a weekend. And you never know what that could lead to like yeah. that Intel. Yeah, that one morning I was sitting there glassing and I thought, man, what a random, what a deal, you know, like the world that we live in that like I can get on, you know, a podcast or do a piece of content. I can put it out there to the world. Even I could do a social media post, you know, like, hey, I drew this unit. And then, you know, complete random strangers can come across that information, reach out to you and say, hey, I've had that hunt. Or, you know, I know that unit, it's in my backyard and, yeah. and you could just start swapping information. It's just, I mean, a broken record, but like, it's never been like an easier time to exchange. Mm-hmm. And I would say, I mean, I know Brady that you like to keep things tight, you know, high and tight, but <laughs> man, throw, throw it out there. I mean, you know, I'll, I had one buddy, here's a, I had one buddy that I know knows the unit mm-hmm. and I know he has a friend that killed a really good bull last year. And I reached out to him and he was just like, Nope, <laughs> no way. Not saying anything. I won't yeah. say anything. And I'm like, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's that's your, totally your, cool. your prerogative. I totally understand. No big deal. Yeah. Throw him out there. Hmm. Cast the net. He didn't want to say anything. He's like, bro, this takes 10 years to draw. Dude, he locked it down. He was like, nope, wouldn't. I won't, t- I won't say anything. <laughs> he's his, he's that type of dude, though. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Which yeah, I respect. I totally respect it. I mean, he's one of the, one of the people I respect. Um, he's one of the people that I know that probably works the hardest. Like, he's out there all the time. I mean, yeah. he shed hunts. He's out there, you know, grinding away. Even when he doesn't have tags, he's out there in the fall. Yeah, so he's earning it. He's earning it, you know. So, like, he's got a lot of information. He knows a lot of the country. And, like, he's, you know, it's his. Right. So, I can respect it. But it it has been cool, the amount of people that have been so generous. So, keep keep being generous if you have that. (laughs) I have a Wyoming general elk tag for all of you listening. (laughs) (laughs) Be generous. Yeah. I know some spots. Maybe I'll share some spots. Mm-hmm. I'm really intrigued, too, because Neville did tell me he saw an absolute crap ton of deer. Did you see any big bucks? Mm, nothing huge. Nothing big, huh? No. But, I mean, a lot of this was just, like, glassing from the road with, like, my 15s and stuff. So, they're all. Yeah. I wasn't, like, too far in anywhere. Do you take 15s? Oh, yeah. yeah. 15s on my window. That's a key tip right there. 15s on the window are gold. Yeah, I had I had a pair of 15 SLCs, and a number of years ago, I sold them to help buy a plane ticket to Alaska when I went on that moose hunt. Dedication right there. Yeah. But you miss them. Oh, <laughs> man, do I miss them. I've, I'm like... They're really nice for scouting because you know you're going to be on the roads a lot, and like if you just want to stop and just like yep. look a couple miles, like what it's going to look like back in there, instead of actually hiking in there. and that, That's where I was feeling spoiled this weekend because I packed my 115 Swaro with the BTX. Oh, I wished I had that thing. I was sitting down, glassing roads. I packed the BTX in when I went really deep. Like, sitting down, glassing with that BTX, like, oh, I wished I had buddy. that. I was thinking about that. I wished I had that 115 BTX. You know, maybe I should start loaning that out to some friends. You and can like rent help it. Me rent it and help pay it back a little bit. You pay for your guests. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> that's yeah. again giving back. Maybe that's the way I give back to trail, you know. <laughs> Tank of gas will cost you what a BTX does right yeah. now. Trail's so. just out there with his 10 by 42s. Yeah, yeah and a no tripod. And a no tripod. <laughs> <laughs> Hand holding, I'm shaking. I had a tripod and a spotter, but it did definitely, it made me think like for scouting trips, that bigger glass would be good to hold on to. I don't always use it during hunting season. Yeah, but, but like, like right now you can sit back f- mm-hmm. way further distance, glass oh. super far. And that's why I was talking about too. You're not putting all your eggs in one basket, hiking into one spot where you could probably have glassed it from a road mm-hmm. way further away or drove up higher on the mountain and just look over a lot of country. Yeah, bigger glass. So that, that, that bodes the question. Um, what equipment did was there any take homes from you that you brought home from your scouting trip and thought oh, I'm gonna make an adjustment in equipment or anything about like the way you hunt the method anything like that did you have any take homes that like change your perspective? That's a good question. Bro. I brought everything. It's basically like I a literally hunt. have a tote with like all of my hunting gear and I just brought the whole thing. All my optics, every single just did, brought the whole thing. Did you take your dog and the dog? Yeah, I took my dog too. That was kind of fun. Summit the mountain dog. I took my dog and my girlfriend. <laughs> I had man. everyone up there. Smart man. Was she glassing too? No, she wasn't glassing. Oh. I us- I just went in the mornings, sh- and she would just stay back and sleep. So I'd go out for. So, well, that's a good thing right there, because like you're going on a scouting trip. You don't want to like be gone from you know your relationship, family, yeah. and stuff like that. So you're you're inviting them with. Makes it yeah. a and good weekend nice for this you. This time of year, the days are long. Days are so long. My God. Like you go out there for five yeah. hours and. You know, gets light at five. Yep. That's why I was five hours to be back. Yeah. Be back at a decent time. It was so brutal because I was trying to take those star photos a couple of nights, and I was like, I am wasting so much of my sleep time right now, and like it's only like six hours of date of darkness, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm like, my God, I need to go to bed. Yeah, pretty. I'll let you think about the question. I'll go back to it. Usually, people that ask the question have one their own answers in mind. So I'll tell you like my take homes, right? So one of the take homes was just the vastness, the size of that country, and then the the steepness. It's pretty steep. Mm-hmm. So one thing I came home with was like, I think I'm in pretty good shape, but I need to be in better shape. So hold on, hold on. <laughs> Trail is wearing shorts today. Yeah. I want to point out those giant freaking yeah, calf look muscles. Those. Look at those bad boys. Woo! Those are ridiculous. You want to spank that, Neville? Show what? the camera. See that? That is re- that is ridiculous. Wow. What do you mean get back in shape? <laughs> You no, got I calves I, like an elk. I came home. <laughs> you got elk calves. I came home. I got up the next morning, did a seven miler. Next day, seven miler. Um, my diet like has been pretty good for like the last two months, mm-hmm. but I was kind of getting a little sloppy. I had been a little sloppy, and that tightened right up <laughs> as yeah. I got home because I'm just thinking if I'm going to do this thing justice and hunt it, you know, the the way that I want to. Um, I got to be in better shape, best shape I can be in anyway. So, so I'm going to ramp up the miles for sure. So one thing I just did, I just spent some money last night when I got back. Cause I was thinking the same thing about the nutrition side. So yeah, we talked about it before, I've been mm-hmm. working out a ton, trying to gain weight. I'm still losing weight. Mm-hmm. I came back, I lost five pounds. I'm back down to 179 pounds. Like right now, as I sit here today, I think this morning I was 180. Literally like, weighs the exact same as sandwich. me. So like... <laughs> You need lunch. I do a decent job with some food. Obviously, I need to do better at it. So last night, I actually purchased a, like, fitness meal program. Mm. Mike Dolce. Have you heard of him? The Dolce Dolce Diet? Yeah. Does a bunch of stuff with UFC fighters and all that. So I went and purchased that last night. Gotcha. And I have a giant shopping list every single week of things I want to buy to try to maintain and gain my weight back slowly, but also still stacking on muscle and Mm. just getting more fit. So, like, yeah, I had to spend some money. You know, it wasn't crazy expensive. I think it was less than 100 bucks for, like, a four-week program. But, like, now I have all those baselines of nutrition that I want to continue to follow and get better at 
my eating because mm-hmm. I just eat mule deer every single night. Breakfast, I have eggs and mule deer, and during the day, I don't really yep. you know, eat a lot that's actually bulking me back up. Because I'm already down to, like, my hunting weight, and I wanted to be way higher going into the hunting season and stronger. I feel stronger than ever, but like you said, yeah, there's something yeah. else I need to be doing. Yeah, that was one thing I brought home was, like, I need to be in better shape. The other thing, it, it gave me the opportunity to, like, kind of test out some equipment. I was telling Neva earlier, so I took my bow with me, and I took a target. And, you oh, know, really? Yeah, midday, I'd kick the target out, roll it down the hill, and, you know, shoot a handful of arrows or, you know. Shoot, balls, shoot it while it's rolling? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, on, on the roll. Yep. Um, but just shoot some uphill, some downhill, shoot a little bit in the wind, you know, just kind of see yeah. what the wind was like. And it kind of gave me some ideas on gear. I mean, I've been shooting a 15-inch front bar, and I thought, oh, maybe this feels a little lengthy for hmm. this type of hunt, you know, the vegetation, the topography. So I came home and, you know, pulled pulled that off and put a 12 on and tinkered with that, went up to the range and shot. So kind of helped me, you know, tweaking my equipment a little bit. I, I took a few ounces off the back bar and added a couple to the front. But well, it's, it's going to be a really good test, too, because we're going to TAC mm-hmm. Park City here in a couple of weeks. So now yep. I have that new setup, and you can kind of put that through the full ringer again. Yeah. So that's good you kind of did that right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I had uh, – you know, I had a new pair, of relatively new pair of boots. You know, I've got a, I had a pair of Scarpa, these Mescalita GTXs that I was thinking I was going to wear on my elk hunt, and I got to wear those. I wore those on the hikes that I did, and, and I I did some, you know, four or five milers. I didn't do a ton of hiking, but I did some. Right. But um, it definitely, you know, like gave me an idea of like what that boot felt like. You know, helped me break it in. I definitely like it. It's going to work out really well for that hunt. Um, you know, I put some insoles in that, and that kind of let me know, oh, yeah, this is kind of working yep. out. I like this. I had a, a new pair of pants, tried those out, same thing. I thought, yep, these are going to be the ticket. Um, you know, rain, it rained on me for yep. probably two or three hours, and, you know, packed a rain jacket. got me to, even though my rain jacket's a few years old, but it let me know, hey, this rain jacket's still good. It's cutting the, cutting the wind, and it's also blocking out all the rain. So it was a good opportunity for me to, like, kind of fine-tune, you know, just some gear items, mm-hmm. just yeah. make some changes and – yeah, speaking of gear, the one thing I realized, and I actually bought it last night, is before I was going on this hunt, I realized I have 15, at least 15 fuel canisters floating around. Oh, I do too. And they all have, how, I don't, I'm yeah, like, I'm weighing them. Quarter. Quarter, maybe. maybe. So I like took them on this hunt. Like, I should start burning these, some of these up. But like, I've heard about it for so many years. I've never bought one of those little like transfer, fu- transfer things mm-hmm. where you have to like freeze the fuel canister and yep. you have the little transfer device. So I bought one. It was like $9 on Amazon. So I'm like, I really want to convert all that extra fuel. Because I have some fuel canisters that I've written on there, like, September of 2009. Jeez. Like, I always write a date on there. Like, they're just floating around in my garage. Like, they have fuel in it, but I'm like, there's not enough fuel to probably take on a full week hunt. Mm-hmm. But to start transferring that stuff over to better prepare myself. Because right now I'm like, do I need to go buy some fuel canisters? Or can I have enough here to get me through the season? And then just, like, I always, like, try to, uh, you know, I have a checklist of all the gear I pack. So I have a big Google sheet that everyone's seen before, and I have an Excel sheet where I, like, put a little P next to everything, like, make sure I pack it. I got it in the mountains. I'm sitting there one night getting ready to make my peak refuel, like, one of my favorites, that chicken pesto pasta or whatever it is. Super jacked on that. Start digging around my backpack. I'm like, where the F is my spoon? <laughs> I pulled up my Google sheet because I have it safe for offline use. I pulled it up. I marked P next to that spoon that I actually packed it. And usually I put it in one of my Stone Glacier camp pullouts or mm-hmm. another, like, zippered thing. Could not find my spoon anywhere. Dumped my whole backpack out, shaking my backpack. No spoon. <laughs> Where was the spoon? I don't know. I, I marked on it. I packed it. I still haven't found it since I got home. Uh-oh. I, at one point, though, I had my backpack open. And I was on this rock cliff, and I accidentally kicked my backpack, and it fell over. And I, there was a bunch of zippers that were open. Spoon went tumbling A spoon might have went tumbling. <laughs> 
But then I was realizing too, like, why don't I have some of this extra gear in my truck? Mm-hmm. Again, I, like, I always have like a couple extra fuel canisters. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was, you know, I went back to my truck and I was like around in my truck looking for my spoon in my truck. And I was like, I don't have an extra spoon in my truck. So the whole time I used my goat knife, like the backside of my goat knife to eat all my food the whole entire time when I was up there. And it's like, just that little thing, even though I marked a P on there, but why, where did that spoon go? Did it fall out? And why don't I have a backpack or a backup Back up. Mm-hmm. of some of that, like just essential gear? Yeah. You gotta have a backup. Mm-hmm. It's funny. All the things like, just like little things that make a big difference if you had them in your truck uh-huh. as a backup. I mean, I know Neville's had some sleeping pads that have given. Oh, I got a lot of sleeping pads now. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever patch those holes or you just like throw them away? No, I can't find them. Can't hot find tip. Them. This is a hot tip. Early season hunts, scouting. Just testing out that stuff. I would say if your like tent is set up in the sun, I would say deflate your sleeping pad. Before oh yeah, because all that stuff that's getting more because air. It's it, like as tires. it gets hotter, if let's, I pump my sleeping pad full. I like it as full as possible. Yep. So when it's in the sun, what happened is it expanded, and I think it like pulled some seams apart. Hmm. And the big Agnes. That is a good tip. I remember when we were archery hunting in in uh, Nevada that one year with you and that one tag. Like our pads when we got back after hunting all yeah. day were just giant, like scary, scary right. inflated. So I think actually had a, I think she actually had a pad pop on that hunt. Yeah, because like you got to think a, a big Agnes X is like a super lightweight yep. sleeping pad. So like the material's it's not not, not that thick. And as you let it sit in your tent and it gets hotter, that air expands and it's pushing it past its limits. And then mm-hmm. I think what happens is like some of the seams start to pull. Yep. And then it's like a slow, slow leak that is almost impossible to find. There's a hot tip. Gosh, no. You're gold today. That's my hot tip. Because I've, I've popped a lot of sleeping pads. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't, they weren't popped. Do you pack it? That uh, is my, oh my God. Do you pack a spare yes. in your truck? Well, I pack a spare. I have patch kits. Yeah. The hardest part is once you know there's a hole is finding the hole. Yeah. It is so hard. I've started to get Especially better. Especially if it's a slow leak. Starting to pack some of that like patch stuff. I usually never carry a patch kit for that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was bear hunting this spring, I uh, cut a big hole in my Kelvin light down. Nailed it on some brush when I was hiking in it for a stupid reason. I had just insulation Tops. coming out all the time. So now I finally carry a little patch kit for like down jackets and stuff like that just to like... Yeah. I was cringing every single day. I was like, put electrical tape on it, and then electrical tape just pops right off. And like, all my insulation on my sick ass down jacket is yeah. being lost here. Yeah. I mean, I would say the best thing is get out and scout and use your equipment so that you know when you head into the, the woods this fall that you know it works. But if you can't do mm-hmm. that and you live on the East Coast, the Midwest, I mean, I would highly recommend people spend some nights in in their shelters with their sleeping pads, mm-hmm. the bags. I mean, everything just to like, know that things work. And like we always say, test out different, you know, dehydrated meals. What works for you? What yeah. wrecks your body? What foods do you like? How much food do you need? Check out all your water filtration stuff. Go through and back flush all that stuff. Like, I have some pumps right now that I guarantee I can't pump a single lick of water on it because I've never yeah. back flushed it. Yeah. And it's like, that's just sitting there. So I need to flush those right. back out, get that ready for the hunting season. Because all of a sudden, hunting season is going to come around. It's going to come up quick. And I'm going to realize I haven't done all these steps. I haven't, you know, waterproofed my boots or went through my rain gear to make sure my rain gear has any holes in it. Like I know that for me, like in previous years, it seems like the last few years, especially like I've got permits and, you know, with life, with, you know, kids and work, it seems like 
I have these grandioso plans that I'm going to be prepared, but it, it seems more often than not the last few years, it's like all of a sudden it's opening day mm-hmm. and I'm like throwing a bunch of stuff together and I'm going hunting and I'm bound to determine this year to like be ahead of that curve. Yes. And, and that's what Same. I start doing that I learned from Neville is just literally every time I get home from a hunt, have a freaking tote that all my shit just goes right into that tote. That way I'm never scrambling around. Cause like every time when Neville's like, Oh, we need to do a gear list video. And I'm like, all my gear is like either my garage in a certain tote or some of my like fire starting stuff's here. Like I just need to keep it in one central location. So I've been trying to get a lot better at that. Just like keeping all my gear in one spot. That way I know it's there. That way I know if I need to repair something, it sits next to it. And I should mark something that, hey, this is something I need to repair or work on. Or like all those fuel canisters are sitting right there in a box right now waiting for this little fuel canister thing to get there. And I'm going to do that right away because I know if I don't do it then, like you said, hunting season is going to come quick and you're like, shit. I have three days before I have to leave, and I don't have any of my stuff dialed. Yeah. Packaging my food earlier because I vacuum seal all my food, like do all that stuff, like get my food dialed now, figure out where the sales are for food and buy a bunch of food. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. It's like, it seems like after 4th of July, you're like, all right, it's it's go time. Like it's time to buckle down, start like ordering my food, going through my gear. Yeah, and I think that, but I haven't been as as good about it right. in the last few years. But I'm ba- I'm I'm bound to determine this year that like I'm going to be more ready than I ever have been. You know, and I think I think it'll pay off. I think it pay I think it'll pay dividends. You know, I think mm-hmm. I'll have a better hunt. I'm I'm determined to be in better shape. I th- I think it's going to pay off in the long run. So, I mean, I don't know for what it's worth. I would say if you're out there listening, you know, <laughs> start, do, now. start now. Start now. Yeah, do one. Start do one, now. Do one thing. It's funny. I mean, I I came home and. I don't know. It was a, a good scouting trip. Um, you know, I think anytime I get like time alone, you know, like you kind of start to reevaluate and think about what you want out of your hunting season and, you know, life in general and just kind of thinking about your goals and objectives. And like, you know, I came home with like a kind of a newfound, um, you know, determination for this season. You know, I, I grabbed a Sharpie when I got home and wrote on the back of my bow, you know, win the day. So, you know, do the day you know, start now and, and win each day and you'll be a little bit better. And I think it's going to be, you know, one of the better seasons yet. Cause I think I'm, I'm more determined than I have been in a few seasons. Yeah. I love that. It's good. It's good. Good I'll, luck. I'll drink to that. Drink to that. <laughs> I'll so, drink this, this Fiji water to that. <laughs> so I have one last, one last thing. So all the podcast listeners, we actually have a promo code mm-hmm. for you guys now. So if you want to sign up for insider, use promo code podcast doesn't matter uppercase podcast podcast you're going to get fifty dollars for if you sign up for insider for the going gear shop if you just want our maps only explorer membership you're going to get 20 points towards the going gear shop so use promo code podcast get maps in your hand get some insider start doing research start figuring out your unit right now especially if you have a big unit or a big group of units you can hunt start narrowing it down use go hunt maps like we're talking about try to hone in on your spots and get out e-scouting if you can boots on the ground scouting like everything right now can benefit you Promo yep. code podcast. Promo code podcast. Podcast. That's a fun one today, boys. There we go. It's a good one. Any other closing thoughts? or? Oh, I'm ready. I'm going to be ready. Going to be ready? Mm-hmm. Arrows are all dialed. Let's Broadheads are all, sh- all golden. Yep. We're, we're, it's like I said, I'm doing something every single day. You know, I've, I've kind of found a new determination. I'm doing something every day to, like, get closer. Got to remember, those elk and mule deer, every single day, they're getting stronger. Yeah. We're getting weaker because we sit in the office all the time. So They look like they're getting fatter, the ones I saw. Yeah, they're getting they nice. They're eating good. All right, cool. guys. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks. Next time, huh?